team, let's give it up for the band leading us in worship. Man, that was a great set. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, today, we're going to be continuing our series called One Team, One Dream. And uh, we're going to be looking at an interesting passage in Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas are in a prison and um, they are going to have a worship experience in the midst of some pain and suffering. And so I thought I would whet our appetite today um, with, with just thinking about uh, mood music. All right, mood music. And I'm going to ask you to uh, get your phones out and you're going to have a chance to participate ever so briefly uh, with me. And so this is my number. I'm going to put it up on the screen um, at my uh, peril. And so anyway, um, and I want you to think about if you were having a bad day, okay, if you were going to have a bad day and there was going to be one song, okay, one song. And, and I know we're in church, so this isn't a Jesus juke, all right, so I'm not, I'm not talking about a worship song. I'm talking about just a normal everyday song. What would be a song that could change your mood, that would turn you around and it would turn it into like a, a happy day, a happy moment? And so if you want to, text me those songs. And while you're typing those in, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about mood music. You know, if you were going to the gym, you know, most people, when they're going to the gym, they're going to listen to what kind of upbeat, right? You might want some rock. You might want some rap. You know, whatever it is, you know, most people aren't like worshiping to Beethoven. You know, it's just, that's just not, that's not normal, right? Just like when you go to a restaurant and there's some ambiance that is being set, you know, if there was like ACDC, back in black, you know, um, and you're like trying to have a nice dinner, you know, you'd be like, hey, you know, what's going on here? And so there's, there's something to be said for mood music, right? Um, you know, husbands, there's something to be said for mood music, right? Uh, there's certain songs that, you know, you know, anyway, so there you go. And so mood, music alters our moods. I think everyone in here would agree that, uh, you know, like for me, I'll tell you, I kind of like songs if it's, if it's in the, uh, you know, kind of I need some inspiration. I've, I found that I like songs that um, are really authentic where, let's say the artist is, is trying to say no matter what, I would do this thing. Uh, actually, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a little secret. Um, on my worship playlist, okay, I have a one secular song, and it's from the musical, or musical, um, whatever you want to call it, uh, the movie, what's the movie? The Greatest Showman, right? Are y'all familiar with the song, uh, From Now On? All right. It's like, he's like, from now on, you know, basically I'm going to do this for the right reasons. And he's like, wants to get back to what his original passion was. I love songs like that. There's a Garth Brooks song. It says, uh, it's your song. Um, and it's your song that made me sing, you know, and then modern day country, which I don't know a whole lot of, but there's a guy named Luke Holmes and he sings, uh, still be doing this right. Even if you took away the giant crowd and there was only like a small venue, I'd still be singing the song, right? And I thought, you know, I think we need to have that type of, of passion for what we do. Uh, I'll give you guys a couple of ones that, that you guys are sharing with me. Um, in the first service, someone sent Humpty Hump, okay? And I was like, all right, all right. Um, so you guys have some good ones coming in here. Um, some I don't know. Uh, Let's Groove by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Sounds great. Um, Cumbersome by Seven Mary Three. I don't know that one. I'm going to listen to all, I'm going to make a playlist of all these songs. I'm going to share it. Uh, Fine Apple. 
have no idea what that is. Uh, Dancing Queen, who doesn't love Dancing Queen? Come on. Uh, Survivor, Eye of the Tiger, yes. Dude, I'm telling you, whenever you go to work out, you play some Rocky music, dude, just like, get out there. Oh, man, someone is calling me right now. Should I take it? Okay, I think someone accidentally did that. Okay, so anyway. That would have been funny. Uh, so as we are getting in to this mood, I just, I just wanted to say that um, whenever we come in here and we worship, right, I think that you'll find that we are trying to set a tone when it comes to what's happening on this stage. Uh, we believe very passionately that we are not performers, okay? Um, I don't know if you've ever been to a church service where the church, it seemed like the, the music was a performance or the preaching could even be a performance. Um, whenever we're doing that, we're, we're denigrating the opportunity, right? We should be saying that this is about the Lord, right? We, we worship for the Lord. So on this stage, there should be worshipers leading other worshipers into a worship experience. But if you got up here and it was just about like, dude, can I hit this note? Or some guitarist, you know, usually unfairly, probably it's the lead guitarist, you know how they are, prima donna, you know, and they're over here like, you know, and like, they're not even, they don't even care if you're worshiping at all. They just want to like, you know, just jam out. Like that would not be appropriate, right? Because it's for the Lord and even guitarists and keyboardists and drummers. I guarantee you, man, when Ty is in that drum cage, you watch him over there. He's just like worshiping the Lord and getting after it, you know? And I get excited watching people get excited in worship. Matter of fact, there are some people that are in this room that just by watching you, I am motivated. I am passionate. And there are some of you that I do not look at in worship because I would not be encouraged. Like some of some people in here, you're like, you're like nodders, you're maybe even ameners, you know? And I'll look to those people in a sermon. And there's some people who are like stoic. You know? I try to shy away from those people, you know? And so what I'm saying is, is that today we're gonna look into this. Uh, passage and these people are going to be in this prison. And I started, started to want to get us to think like how our mood is affected by the situation that we find ourselves in. And if we find ourselves in prisons, sometimes emotional, sometimes spiritual, sometimes physical things that we can't get out of, how, how do we handle that? Because in modern day Western Christianity, I think there's a fallacy um, that, that oftentimes impacts the way people think. And that's, um, it's, it's kind of a, in a large term, broad term, it's called a prosperity gospel. And that essentially says, if you do what God wants, then you will have a blessed life, which is true, which is 100% true. But sometimes those blessings aren't in what we would consider positive things. For instance, um, if you pray to the Lord for patience and he blesses you, with struggle, then that's how he's building your patience. But you wouldn't look at the struggle if you weren't looking through spiritual eyes as a blessing. 
As a matter of fact, Jesus in the Beatitudes, his first sermon, he talked about blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are you when men revile you and speak every manner of evil against you. Rejoice for yours is the kingdom of God. And so he's saying that sometimes there's going to be bad things that are happening even though you're doing God's will and that that is a blessing. But most people would say, I don't if they believe in kind of a Western Christianity, they, they would say, I don't feel blessed. You know, pastor, I'm struggling. Like if the Lord, uh, you have an idol, you say, Lord, I just want to worship you and you alone and your idol's money. And then he takes your money from you, right? You're like, well, Lord, I'm not agreeing. Well, which one is it? Do you want to love me or do you want to love your money? And so like, you know, just saying that sometimes I don't think our, our Christian mind um, wants the stress and the struggle that builds our strength. And I'm just saying that there's a way that we can approach even hardship that will allow us to be able to overcome those situations, but it's on a spiritual plane. And if you're not living on a spiritual plane, then you can get stuck in these prisons. And I hope today that I can help you get out. Hope you, we can have a prison break and escape, if you will, as a result of applying God's word. And I think you're going to see today that it was two guys together in a terrible situation. And when you think one team, one dream, Christianity is a together sport. It's a team sport. And I hope that you have your brothers and your sisters that you can worship with even when you're in the prison. Even when you're being oppressed, you can stay obedient. And so today we'll look at this and to set the tone, um, give you the backstory. Paul and Silas um, are preaching, and there is this uh, girl who's possessed, and uh, they cast this demon out of her, and she apparently had some ability to, like a like a palm reader, um, uh, be able to predict the future, and she was being, uh, in modern day terminology, uh, trafficked uh, for her talent, um, and they cast the demon out and then now she was not able to make them money. And so they got mad and they wanted to get revenge on Paul and Silas. And so uh, what's interesting if you've lived life long enough is that sometimes people get upset with you about doing the right thing, but they can't really, they can't really say that you did the right thing. So they have to like alter the truth, right? They have to like exaggerate some things in order to get other people riled up against you. Does anybody see like, if you're a part of any Facebook page, like any neighborhood page, you should readily know examples of how this works. And so when they go to the magistrates, they don't say, oh, they set this girl free. They say, they are spreading lies and they are stirring people up and we need to put an end to this uprising. Oh, this mighty uprising of one child, teenager being set free from a demon. On, oh, let's stop them. Anyway, but you see, they couldn't go with the truth. And so when people can't go with the truth, they will concoct a different version of that truth. And so just be careful. Be careful when people are telling you their version of what happened. You know, maybe, maybe you should just really, you know, make sure you get both sides before you just, you know, believe something. It says in verse 22 that the mob joined in to attack against them. And the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes, which is usually their, their upper garments, and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had inflicted many blows on them, they threw them in jail. 
ordering the jailer specifically to keep them securely guarded. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. So the first point that we're going to look at is we're going to call it locked up, okay? Locked up. And physically, we're going to get to that in just a moment, but I also wanted to take a moment just to peruse through the emotional side of this, right? Um, Whenever we're thinking about their mindset right now, they've just been beaten, right? And for not doing anything. So you could just, you could feel that irony, you know, building up that they are now in prison for setting someone free. And so they're locked up and and after you've been beaten like that, after you've had a bad experience, it can kind of give you emotional PTSD. Would you guys agree? If you've ever been in a bad relationship, anyone in here, you know, you, it could be a work environment. It could be a marriage. It could, it could be how you were raised. You, you have these reflexes, right? And if anybody ever touches these areas that are tangential to that storm, that, that trouble that you had in the past, it immediately resurrects the emotion of that moment. Have you ever heard someone retell a story about when they were hurt, when someone did something to them and like they tell it and all of a sudden you start seeing the emotion of that moment is alive right now. I mean, they're like, and then she said, and then she, you can believe she did. And like, and like, you could just see like the veins, like start getting out there, you know, in the neck. And there's like maybe one that comes across the temple and just naked rage is what it is. Okay. And, and I want to tell you something that that's a prison, right? Because a lot of people, unfortunately, have never worked through the things that affected them in their past. They basically have shoveled it under the rug and they said, well, well, that's in my past. I don't want to, I don't want to dig that up because it's in my past. But I'll tell you, if you've never worked through it, it is not in your past. It is your passenger. It is right there. It is hanging out with you. And every time you interact in a relationship, that passenger is affecting like a lens, like like a colored contact lens, like you, it's skewed. It's like you having the wrong prescription. You are seeing the world through this murky filter. And until you get the right perspective, until you see things through God's truth, you'd never get set free out of that prison. It'd be terrible if people were locked up emotionally as a result of some abuse in their past or even sin that you've done in the past. You say, well, I'm unworthy. I'm a second-class citizen in God's kingdom. And that would prevent you from doing so much good and so much of God's work. And understand this, we're all sinners that have come short of the glory of God and no one in here is worthy. I guarantee you, if you knew half the sins that are sitting in this room, you'd probably say, I can't go to that church. That's a terrible church, right? And, and by, by all means, I just want you to know that Genesis Metro, we welcome the sinners. We welcome them. I, I hope the sinners want to come to Genesis Metro Church. I, f- I hope they find hope at Genesis Metro Church. And if you are too good for the sinners around you, then please, by all means, go somewhere else. Anyway, so just, just a thought, just a thought, just a thought. So not only are they in this emotional torment, let's look at how, how 
deep they were willing to go that they put them into the inner prison, right? Now, these aren't murderers. These aren't rebels. <laughs> these, these aren't criminals that have stolen something. Their crime, they preached a person free. But the reaction is disproportionate to the crime. Like, we're not just going to put them in prison. We're going to put them in the inner prison. We're going to put them in solitary confinement. And I don't know about you, but I, I would go crazy. If you locked me in a room with no windows and I couldn't talk to a human, and I'm not an extrovert, I'm more introverted, but I can't, alone, alone. Now, some of you, you're like, you know, like, oh, that'd be vacation, Tim. I'd, I'd, I'd love to get you. I'd love to do a psychological experiment with you. I'd love to take the toughest person in here, put you in solitary confinement for a week. I guarantee you'd be crying like a little baby. Anyway, here these guys were, and they said, we're going to put them in the inner prison. And then on top of that, they said that they put them in stocks. Now, these stocks weren't to prevent them from escaping it was to increase the level of punishment. So they would angle them to imagine like if you were having to stand or if you laid down, it would be extremely uncomfortable. The Romans were experts at making your life miserable when they wanted to. So not only are they in the inner prison, they are now bound to where everything hurts. I just want you to consider that if you were them, what would your mentality be? If you were their friend and you were on the outside, you were looking in and you saw how they were leveled in, concentric circle walls. They are the most, like you had to go through gate after gate after gate to get to where they were. If you were on the outside looking in, you would say, they aren't getting out anytime soon. Even if they wanted to, there's no way that they're going to be able to get out of this. There's no way that I could get them out of this. And whenever you start transposing that upon our realities, whenever people are struggling with anger and addiction and all of these things that we struggle with, I think that you could paint a picture that says we probably have some prisons. I think that the song that we just sang says the shackles that I bought, right? That we have imprisoned ourselves in many situations in our minds. And this morning, if I'm on the outside looking in, I would say, well, they're not getting out of that anytime soon. We can dig into debt so deep. And if you were looking at the numbers, they're not getting out of that anytime soon. If you've ever owned a small business, and you've tried to motivate a bunch of employees and it gets to where there's like a cancerous, toxic environment where no one is for their teammate. They're all for themselves. You can even stand back at some point like, man, I think we might just need to fire everybody in order to save this because it's gotten so bad. There are so many situations that look unsolvable to the naked eye in the physical realm. And this one certainly would qualify. And so as we see how locked up they were, I hope that you can draw the parallelism and make it analogous to your own life and say that if you were ever in such a place of hopelessness, how would you respond? And then how do you get out 
of something that is impossible to get out of. It says in verse 25, about midnight. Oh, I love the midnight hour. Trust me, I'm a night person. You ever need a 2 a.m. guy? I am a 2 a.m. guy. Every night, 2 a.m. You need a 5 a.m. person? That's Carrie. I, I, I think that you are insane if you get up at 5 a.m., unless you're going fishing. Um, so at midnight, all right, it says Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Don't let them take your song. That's the title of today's sermon. Don't let them take your song. Now, we got to really get into the moments. They still have open wounds. They are literally hurting from their head all the way to their feet. They have been beaten. Throbbing pain is going through their body. As a person who struggles with back issues, I can tell you that I get into these, these tough places where there's only like a couple of positions that you can get in that you can get comfort. Has anybody ever been in a place like that? And like the Romans are doing the opposite. They are putting you in these stocks to where there's no way that you can turn to get freedom or relief from the pain that you are in. And then we got to deal with the darkness. Now, some of you are city folk, so you don't even know what dark is. Like there's street lights and there's house lights and there's lamp. And now there's the glow of digital stuff everywhere in your house. It doesn't ever really get dark. But if you've ever been out in the country, if you've ever been out in the woods and it's a new moon, which means there's no moon, dude, it's dark, dark. I'm talking dark, like you put your hand in front of your face, dark, okay? Think about that for a moment. That's like darkness that you can feel. And like when you're in that type of dark, you start hearing stuff. Anybody testify? Like you start like hearing stuff. Like what was that? What was that? What was that? Like they're not imagining it. There's rats running around, right? There's all kinds of creepy crawlies in the inner dungeon. They didn't have some overwatch organization coming in to check. Are these prisons safe for our prisoners? They didn't have cable TV. Oh my gosh. They didn't have rec time. All right. There wasn't a wait set. Anyway, modern prison. Anyway, whatever. All I'm saying is it was terrible. It was dark. They were alone. There's rats. And I think that if we got into a situation like that, I think we might be tempted to start saying, what in the world did I do to deserve this? You can start, you, you can start getting angry. You could, you could probably even make an argument for it, depressed, like hopeless. I'm never going to get out. You could even get to a place where you blame God. God, I did everything you asked me to do and this, this is what you give me? Not that anyone in here would ever say that. No one in here has ever had a bad experience at a church or with someone who was churchy. And, and you say like, oh, well, if that's what church is, then I don't want any part of it. And now you, you are abusing God for what one of his children did. That's unfair. That's unfair. I can tell you this, that if you are following after God, 
That the Bible says he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. That time and chance happen to all men. That we live in a fallen world in which bad things happen to good people. David even contemplated the paradoxical question, why do the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer? And if you are only looking at this world, you'll come to an incorrect conclusion. Because if you're living for this world and you're trying to, to get all you can in this world, you've missed the aim of the exercise. The aim of the exercise is the next life, not this life. This life is temporal. The next life is eternal. So even if I have suffering in this life, but I have eternal riches that never pass away, then all of a sudden you gain perspective. They had every reason to complain, every reason to blame God. And yet, at the midnight hour, Together, Paul and Silas found their song. And I don't know. I don't know if it was homecoming. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But in my mind, you know, it was something along those lines. At the end, we're going to sing champion man. We're going to talk about the walls falling down and man miracles breaking out and God doing incredible stuff. I'm just going to say, don't let them take your song. You know those critical people that are just constantly complaining? Don't let them take your song. Whenever you go through bad stuff, don't let it take Wouldn't it be terrible if people were sitting in here in the midst of an incredible worship moment? And because you're so locked up, even though you're a believer, you've lost your song. I think it's, biblically, you can make an argument, it would actually be worse for you to have believed and then this life is wanting to explode out of you. This redemption story is ready to be written, but you keep on building the prison. You keep on reinforcing the walls. You're unwilling to let God work in your life. Here were Paul and Silas in the worst imaginable situation, and yet they found a song in their heart. I, I, I hope there's someone in here today that finds their song. Why is it important that we live life together as Christians in a church community where we are investing in each other and care about each other because there's going to be a season that's going to come where it's not fun, where it's hard, and where you're struggling. And if you are in that prison alone, that song is not meant to be a solo. At the very least, it's meant to be a duet. And I hope that some of you would realize that your strength is not sufficient for the struggle that you're going to face at some juncture in your life. And if you're not investing in community, then the moment that you're going to need it the most, you're going to find yourself alone and unable to come up out of the darkness that you find yourself in. Don't let them take your song. Man, I, I hope today that you're going to find your song in just a moment. It says, Lastly, in this verse, if you put the verse back up on the screen, verse 25, this is the part that caught my eye. It says, and the prisoners were listening, right? Woo! Like, if you're a preacher and you can't preach that, 
Like, oh, I'm going to preach to y'all now. All right. Why do we do what we do in here every week? Believe it or not, for the believers, do we want to encourage you? Yes. But you are not my primary audience. The prisoners are my primary audience. Don't you want someone to get set free when we're in here in this worship service to find the freedom that you found so long ago? Isn't that refreshing when you see someone else get set free? And here we see that the prisoners are listening to your song. They are listening to collectively in our community our song at Genesis Metro Church. And if we aren't singing his song to an unbelieving world, how are we going to change their situation? What is your song saying to people? Think about that for a moment. Is it your song saying give up? If they were to look at your life, if it's lived out in fear and anxiety and an unwillingness to move forward in your faith, some of you are so covert in your Christianity that no one even knows that you believe. It says that their praise was not silent. Now I know some of you, you're introspective, you're introverted, and you're like, you know, I'm just gonna sing in my heart. No, at some juncture, at some juncture, that which is in you has to come out of you in order for the prisoners to hear what God is doing in your life. So if you're holding it in, Aren't you withholding hope from them? So why do we sing? You should start thinking about that. Why do we sing in here? And if you can't bring yourself to sing, what is your song? What is your song saying? You can say, give in, give up. Or you can say, get up. Your song could be inspiring people around you to get up. Get up and get to the cross and believe there is forgiveness. There is restoration. There is redemption. It is possible to overcome some of the struggles that have haunted you all of your life. I hope your song is inspiring the people that are in prisons around you. Which brings us to our last verse. It says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors opened. And everyone's chains came loose. A song could change your situation. One song could change your situation. I want you to think with me. I think all of us have watched these shows that are like heist shows or prison break movies. And, you know, we used to watch the show Prison Break, which, by the way, factoid for all the people that have moved in. Um, some of the episodes were shot right over here in Little Elm, um, Frisco border of 423. There's some fields out there and schools that were used. And some of our members I found out after first service were even extras um, on the set. And so if there's any residual income from that, just by the way, tithe off that. Anyway, um, so um, whenever you're watching these shows, right, there has to be like this plan right? If you're ever watching like a special ops, like, you know, they get down, they look at the blueprint and they time it out and like the helicopter's going to drop you in. We're going to rappel down. We're going to take some C4 target explosive, blow the door open, go in, get the bad guy. And it's like, you know, we're going to use all of these weapons in order to extract or to achieve the mission. And the problem, I think, is that many times Christians are trying to use carnal weapons, worldly weapons, earthly weapons 
to achieve a spiritual battle. And the thing is, you can't use worldly weapons to fight a spiritual battle. You must use worship as a weapon. And that's what so many Christians don't understand. Like worship is our, our ability and worship isn't just singing, it's living a life that is a sacrifice to God. In Romans, it talks about, um, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your worshipful or reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So our goal is to live a life of worship. But imagine that you say that I'm going to fight a spiritual battle with earthly weapons. The, the prince of this world is the king of this world. His name is Satan. He is more powerful. He is more cunning than you will ever be. He, you're going to lose that battle every single time. And here you are saying, I'm just going to power my way through it. I'm going to just be bullhead. I, I can, I'm just going to be strong enough inside of myself. I'm just going to be small. I'm going to figure out a plan. I'll get myself out of this. But what happens when you find yourself in the inner prison? What happens when you find the stocks around your feet? What happens when your body is hurting so bad that you can't think of anything else but the pain that's inside of you? When you find yourself locked up in a situation like that, there's no earthly weapon that's going to get you out. It says that in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the pain, they found a song. And as they began to sing, all of a sudden something incredible happened. Something that they couldn't do on their own. If they were on the outside looking in, we would have said, remember, they aren't getting out of here. They're not getting out. They're not getting anywhere. Anytime they cannot move, locked up. And all of a sudden, this is the great thing about God, that someone is going to have an all of a sudden in just a little bit. That's, a, that's amazing. Like the anticipation for me is just crazy, okay? So all of a sudden they're singing and the foundation of the thing that was holding them began to shake. Like, whoa. Like, if you were the prisoners that were listening, don't you know? Like, they were like, oh, did you, is it, oh, did you, did you feel that? Now, in my mind, Paul and Silas are like, oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, we, we've been here before. We know what this worship is like, right? I mean, the ground is shaking. And then all of a sudden, like, like a, almost like a, like a Jedi move, like doors, right? Like, hmm, door. Doors just fly open. I mean, that's crazy. You know, Paul and Silas, they're still in the chains and the ground has shaken now. And the doors of the inner prison and the outer prison, it says all, all the doors open up suddenly, not over time, suddenly, in a moment, in an instance, everything was open that was previously closed. And then it says the shackles that bound them fell off. Woo! Man, all because of a song? All because they used something that no one can take from us. That our worship is inside of us. It's alive. It's more powerful 
than any two-edged sword when we put the word and the worship and the communication to God out there. I'm telling you, your situation can change in an instant. God could shake the foundation of a marriage that is crumbling. God could open the doors inside of your life, inside of your relationship, inside of your closed off, the, the things that have began a grudge and, and there's anger and there's hate and there's all this weight that's on side of you. All of a sudden that shackle could fall off in an instant when you allow worship to be your weapon, that it's a spiritual battle. And when you fight it the way that God intended to you, all of a sudden things can change, not over time, but in an instant. Wouldn't that be incredible if we were worshiping today and we weren't just worshiping for ourselves? This isn't just our time to get my church on. What if I was worshiping for the prisoner that's listening, for the prisoner that's beside me, that someone walked in here and they are locked up and they need to hear you your song that's going to set them free. Wouldn't it change the way that you worshiped if you were not just worshiping for you, but you were worshiping for the people around you? Their doors open, their shackles fell off, all because two guys together decided to find their song that refused to let what the world was doing to me take what God has given to me. God, are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't let them take it from you. You know, you know I'm preaching Acts 16, but I'm really, I'm really just setting you up because I'm really preaching the gospel. When they took Jesus and nailed him to that cross, don't you know? They were saying, oh, he won't be able to get away this time. He won't be able to move. We got him right where we want him. And then they took his life and they said, it's done. And if you are on the outside looking in, you say, well, he can't get out of this. It says he breathed his last and he gave up the ghost. And then they put him in a borrowed tomb. They rolled the stone into place. Then they put a Roman guard with a sign that if you touched it, it would mean instant death. They couldn't have locked him up more than they did. They couldn't have confined him more than they did. And if you were looking at it, you would say, it's impossible. It's over. We might as well go home. But what was being played out there was not a physical battle. Would you agree? What was being played out was a spiritual battle, which is easier to roll a stone away or to resurrect the son of God. And when he walked out, what walked out with him? The song that you sing in your heart, the song of the redeemed, the song that says, I was lost and now I'm fine. I found I'm blind, but now I see that by the grace of God, I am not what I used to be, but by the grace of God, I now am what I am. That's the song that we sing all because of he walked out of that grave. So today, so today, if, you, if you've lost your song, we're going to give you a chance to get it back. And some of you today, it might not be your day. You're in the prison, and you might need to absorb what God has given. But there's no way in the world, in the next few moments, 
that you're going to be comfortable in your prison. For those of you that are locked up in your worship, oh man, maybe today you'll find your song. Maybe today you'll say, you know what, it's not really about me. It's not really about the tune and tone of my voice. It's about the prison. It's about the people. It's about someone getting set free. You worship like that, it'll change the way you worship. You watch this last song, and I want you to compare it to the first three, and you tell me if something didn't change as a result of your motivation and the Spirit joining in as we worship together. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, we lift up this prayer to you for every prisoner that's sitting in the room. God, that you might shake the foundation of their soul. God, that you might open the door, that they might have the courage to walk through it, that God, the shackles would fall off of them and they would realize that you alone are God. You alone are the Savior. You alone are Lord. For all the believers in here that have gotten too busy for the worship, for all the ones that live in fear, for all the ones that live in arrogance, believing that they're the ones that are blessing themselves by their hard work. God, please give us a spirit of gratitude. For those that feel like they are in a hopeless, dark hole, I hope that you can just say, man, Paul and Silas, that's the way I feel. Maybe some of you even unjustly, the things that have happened, I appreciate it. I have compassion for you. But I'm saying you don't have to stay in the victim role. There's a way to get healthy. There's a way for your heart to change. And all you have to do is believe God, what God says about it. God says you ask for forgiveness, I will forgive. God says you ask for favor and I will grant it. God says you ask for healing that when your heart has been marred by hate, that he could put joy and love and replace the broken things that are in your life. And he can do it in an instant if you would allow it. You are not doomed to be what you've always been. Today, by the grace of God, we are going to see the prisons opened up. Would you guys stand and worship with us?